Uh, so good to be in the house of the Lord on our fantastic days as we're leading up to this Thanksgiving week. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was asked this question, what's the greatest commandment? They trying to, the, the Pharisees were really trying to get him you know, to say something wrong so that they could bring charges on him. But Jesus is so wise. And uh, what he says, he said, the most important one answered Jesus is that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. How many of you here today, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Come on, let it be known by a shout and hand clap and, a, and some praise going up. Yes, Lord, we love you today with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he said the second one is that we would love our neighbor as ourselves and there is no commandment greater than these. So today we're looking at the key to being a good neighbor. One of the things to be a good neighbor is that you are going to help stop things like worry and anxiety and fear in their lives. By you bringing them into the house of the Lord today, let me tell you what, you're helping introduce them to the burden bearer. You're helping introduce them to the one that can lift the load and the one that can bring forth healing and provision and power into our lives. You've done a good thing. We're going to help our neighbors. Uh, we're going to be a good neighbor. We're going to put a stop to worry, anxiety, and fear. Let me tell you what, worry, anxiety, and fear is not from the Lord. That is a, a tactics of the enemy to take and steal our quality of life and eventually to steal our life. There's no joy that opens up, uh, stress opens up for so much disease and breakdown in our body because we were not created by God to live with worry, anxiety, and fear. So one of the kindest things you can do for your neighbor is to tell them about the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. To tell them about how God, good God is. To tell them that Jesus came, that burdens would be lifted at Calvary. How many of you remember that song, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary? There at the foot of the cross, the burdens were lifted because Jesus took all of our sin and he took all of our junk upon himself so that the blessing might come upon us. So you're not here by accident today. You're here on purpose by God and God's got a word for you and God wants to encourage you and God wants to build you up so that you can go into this week blessed like never before hallelujah so being a good neighbor is to help others know about God and his goodness and his blessing and his provision so that they don't live under this weight of worry anxiety and fear and in order to do that, in order to live the life the way God created us, which is a life full of joy, which is a life full of peace, which is a life full of prosperity, which is a life full of relationships. And when we talk about uh, prosperity, we're talking about in relationships, in spiritual gifts, and in ministry, and in our businesses, and in our families, and in our health, in every area. It's a holistic term that the Bible talks about, the prosperity of the Lord, and it comes with no sorrow. So it's a benefit and a promotion of the Lord. And in order for us to live this way, we have to learn to do book, uh, do life by the book. We have to do life by the Word of God. And that's why I love Christian Embassy. Thank God we love to sing and we love to worship God and we love to fellowship and we love to eat good food. I got in my office this morning and there were chocolate cupcakes and there was this beautiful cake. I didn't know if I was supposed to rebuke it or, or, or receive it. I didn't know. 
uh, maybe rebuke the calories. I, I don't know, but man, that was beautiful. This is a, a great time uh, where we celebrate and we enjoy the goodness of this life. But that, and, and here at this church, we do that, and I love that. But one thing we never, ever forsake here, and, and this I love the most, is we stay word central. We're going to study God's word. We're going to learn God's word. The Bible says this is a light under our feet or a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. So just like you wouldn't get out here on a country road in the middle of the night on a starless night and drive without your headlights on because you would be sure to have an accident, you don't drive your life without the headlights of God's word or you're going to have an accident. So we want to live by the word. Amen. So let's turn to God's word and get a sure footing to doing life successfully. Otherwise, you're going to be like this cat here and you're going to find that you're going down a path that's going to bring destruction into your life. So we want to turn to God's word today because every dysfunction begins with a distortion of who God is. Every dysfunction begins with a distortion of who God is. And we need to understand that. Uh, we must spend time studying God's Word and its revelation of who God is so that we don't have the dysfunction in our life. How many of you love dysfunction? Don't raise your hand because that would be dysfunctional, okay? We don't love dysfunction. And a dysfunction brings lots of pain and lots of setback and lots of heartache in our lives. So let's go to God's Word, let's study God's Word, and let's uh, make sure that we can deal with these dysfunctions in a biblical way and get them out of our life. Now one of the largest dysfunctions in this day and age that is dominating so many homes and so many lives is anxiety. Anxiety. When our heart is anxious, it says so much about who, who we really believe God is. And anxiety, you were not created to live with anxiety. And when you try to live with it, it destroys your health. It destroys your mental capacity. It destroys your relationships. Marriages fall apart. Families, children, parents uh, have so much uh, contention and heartache through anxiety. And the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And because our bodies were created in such a way not to live with anxiety, when we try to carry anxiety, it causes us great harm. And, and, and the medical profession has tried to come in and help. The counseling confession has tried to come in, and, the profession has tried to come in and help. And with all the meds and with all the counsel in the world, if you still try to carry the load of anxiety, it's going to destroy your health, it's going to destroy your mental capacity to think clearly and function properly, and it's going to destroy your relationships, and, and there's not enough meds in the world to fix that. So what we have to learn to do is get back to the book and understand what the book, God's Word says. And God's Word says, I didn't create you to live with anxiety. I didn't create you to live and carry anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. And he tells us, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With what? Thanksgiving. What is this week? We're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. With Thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Doctors can't figure it out. Counselors can't figure it out. Pastors can't figure it out. 
parents can't figure it out. There is a supernatural provision that you cannot dictate with outline and discourse that God will provide a peace. And that word peace, shalom, means nothing's broken and nothing's missing. There's a wholeness, there's a joy, there's a laughter, there is a fun for life, there is a enjoyment of life, there is a peace that comes from God that you can't figure it out with your mind, but you must understand that you cannot have that while carrying anxieties in your life. You, can be, you must be anxious for nothing. And that peace that surpasses all understanding will come in and guard your heart and your mind. Your heart's where you believe. Your faith gets some protection. And your mind, and that's where the chaos of life tries to mess us up. But there's a peace, there's a shalom of God that guards our mind so that you can get up in the morning with a song on your lips. I've had people say, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. You, you've got this wonderful church and you've got these wonderful business and you've got all of this other stuff and these business owners pulling on you and church folks pulling on you and family pulling on you. And I said, nobody's pulling on me. I said, it's a joy to serve. It's a joy to live my life. My life is grand. My life is awesome. My life is amazing. And, and I says, you know, and they say, how is it? I said, I learned a long time ago, I can't make things happen and I can't worry, I'm not going to worry about what I don't need to worry about. I cast my cares upon the Lord. I'm not going to live with anxiety. I'm not going to live with stress. I'm not going to live with fear. Those demon spirits aren't coming into my mind in my life. I says, I'm going to live with a song on my lips. I'm going to live with a smile on my face. I'm going to live with a little a spring in my step. And I can't spring too much because the kids here, they'll laugh at me. And they say, I, 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 you know, I can't even, what's it called, dab right, you know? you know. Every time I try to dab, it's a big joke to them. So I said, uh, so whatever. I said, man, I'll go back to the 70s when I was young and I'll give you some of that stuff. They say, please don't dab. We really can't take that. Okay. So, uh, but I'm going to live my life blessed because that's the way God created it. And it's not just for Tim Lambert. That's what God wants for each and every one of us here. I know we used to hear, you know, the things sin like lust and greed and promiscuity and negligence and all of these things are big sins, big sins. But I think one of the greater sins because of the magnitude of how it affects our lives is when we don't truly believe God is capable of taking care of us where we don't trust God. I want you to raise your hand if you know someone who needs this message today. Raise your hand if you know somebody that needs this message today. I want you to raise your hand if you are sitting beside somebody who needs this message today. I want you to raise your hand if you're sitting inside somebody that needs to hear this message today. Okay, <clears throat> praise God. I, I've been meditating on the character of God and in doing so I felt led to share with you some of what God has been showing me. Uh, yes, God is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is Savior. Praise God. He's holy. He's sovereign. He is uh, pure. The Bible tells us that He is just and He's all-sufficient and ever-present and all-powerful. He's wonderful. He's righteous. He's awesome. And we could go on and on and on about all the characteristics of God. But listen, when you live a life of anxiety, you are implying that God, there's some messages that aren't correct about him. That God is not who he said he is. Now I know you're not going to say that with your lips, but you say that with your life. When you live with anxiety, your life is saying God is not enough. God can't handle my life. God can't 
help me. God is not big enough. That's what you're saying with your life. Now, you've heard me say it many, many times that your, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks because that's what I'm saying here, that your life speaks louder than your lips. Yes, your talk talks, but your walk talks as well. And actually, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So what we're going to look at today is look at several things that, as I was studying the character of God, several things that He is not. He is not these things. So we're going to look at three things that God is not. And the first one, He is not incapable. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is not incapable. Anxiety in our life usually is the result of an unmet need in our heart. And the seed of anxiety in our life is an unmet need in our heart. And, and, and when that unmet need is in our heart, if we're not looking to the right source to meet that need, anxiety will be dominant in our lives. We must learn to change our stinking thinking and stop looking at God as He is not able to fix this. He is not able to help me here. And, and that mindset that He's incapable. I'm here to tell you God is not incapable. There's a biblical uh, story that God starts out with in Genesis chapter 15. And those first six verses, it's about Abram. Let's look at it. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now remember in Galatians 3.13 and 14, the Bible says that the, Jesus took the curse off of us as he, the curse came on him on the cross, he took the curse off of us so that we might receive what? The blessing of Abraham. So what we're reading here is for us. It is for us as well. This is part of the blessing of Abraham. So he's telling Abram here, he says, I want you to know I am your shield. I will protect you. But I'm also your exceedingly great reward. I'm not only here to protect you, but I'm here to increase you. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to meet your need. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? He says, my servant here, he's a faithful servant, and right now if I die, he's got to uh, inherit everything that I have, but I don't have a son to carry on my name and to carry on the covenant that you have given to me. So then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying... This one, Eliezer, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So in the midst of an old man's plea that, look, I'm old and here I am, I don't have a son, and it looks like an impossibility, this is weighing on me, this is taxing me, God speaks and says, Abram, I'm not, in, I'm not incapable, I'm capable. I'm the God that created you, and I'm, the, I'm promising you right now that you're going to have a son. I'm promising you that. And then he brought him outside, God did. And he said, look now towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, you sh so shall your descendants be. Here's the promise. God is saying, it looks impossible. It's not been your experience where you have a son, but look at the stars in the heaven. As you can't count them, your, your seed shall spread. Your, your inheritance shall spread. Sons and daughters shall spread across this world. And look at verse 6. This is a good verse. And Abram believed in the Lord. He believed God. He believed God. And look what God did. Because he believed, God then accounted that to him for righteousness. 
I ask you a question this morning. Is there any way that you live your life in such a way that portrays the belief that God is incapable? Ask yourself. Am I not speaking with my lips, but speaking with my life? Am I living in any way, in the way my life portraying, that I believe God is incapable, that God is incompetent? That God doesn't have the power, he doesn't have the ability, he doesn't have the wisdom, he doesn't know how to help me out. Now I know we wouldn't say that with our lips, but are we saying that with the way we live? Ask yourself. As though we believe God doesn't specialize in the area of our needs. Like Abram says, My, I have a special need here. There's children, there's families, there's inheritance all around. Mine's special and can you really handle this? Maybe we think, God, you can take care of the spiritual stuff, but when it comes to my practical needs, maybe I need somebody else to meet my needs here. Maybe I need a second opinion. Maybe, God, you're just not able to help me out here. Come on now. And just like with Abram here in verse 6, he believed God, and the moment he believed, God accounted that unto him as righteousness. Now, that's a good place. Abram is at a good place. How many of you have ever been at a good place with the Lord? And the promise had you excited, and the blessing had you excited, and the Word had you excited, and the Spirit of God had you excited, but it didn't come to pass when you thought it would come to pass. Come on, let's be honest now. Where maybe you are still waiting for the provision to come through. Because when we get down to chapter 16, things changed here. Because Abram got tired of waiting on God, he and his wife, Sarah, and Sarah tells him, you go take the servant girl, Hagar, and you go have a child with her. And he says, yes, dear. <laughs> men, we had our men's advance, men's advance, and sometimes you, to man up means you can't say yes, dear. Because you are to be God's representative in the home to protect the home uh, from any emotional waves that would come of discouragement. And believe you me, the enemy, he does like to bring discouragement into our homes. And as he did with Adam and Eve, the devil is, I hate him, I hate him. I'd kick him, I'd, I'd kill him. I'm, one day I'm going to laugh when they throw him in the eternal pit of fire, the Bible says. I'm going to get that joy. But I'm going to resist him and I'm going to rebuke him and I'm going to expose him while I'm here. And as he came to Eve in the first family, he came to Eve and he tries to manipulate and, and you find a, a soft spot with her in order to bring about destruction. Let me tell you, husbands, come on now. Don't, I know your wife is the spiritual giant. I know she prays. I know she's so eloquent. I know she's so spiritual. I know she goes to church even when you don't go to church. But listen to me. When there is a delay, the enemy's going to try his best to get into any area, any angle he can, and he may even come on a very, very low moment in your wife's life, and that's a time you don't need to say yes, dear. I know you say happy wife, happy life, but if we get in our family off the path of God, it's not going to be a happy life, right? Now, let me tell you what. As the enemy will try his best to come in through uh, our wives, he will also try to come in through our husbands. Not our, I can't say it that way. This day and age, 21st century, I have to say 
for you ladies, you married women's husband. Okay, let's be very specific here. And uh, so none of us are at, 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 uh, exempt. But what we're, I'm saying is we need to look at Abram's mistake and Sarah's mistake and say, the devil will try to come in and get us off track during the times when we're having to wait maybe a little longer than we had hoped to wait in the fulfillment of the promise of God. And the moment you step outside the boundary of God's perimeter, let me tell you what, the enemy's going to bring chaos, he's going to bring controversy, he's going to bring conflict into your life. He'll bring it into your business, he'll bring it into your relationship, he'll bring it into your ministry, he'll bring it into uh, your home. That's what he does. And we don't want to live that, that life where his anxieties and this spirit of fear and all these things come in. So don't open the door. Don't fall prey to believing the lie that God is incapable, that God is not able to help you in this situation. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I know when I go into the marketplace and the Lord has allowed Pastor Radika and myself to uh, kind of like be pastors in the marketplace and and we meet with you know we started the trusted compass it's a christian business network where uh the compass is pointing to the end in integrity is the true north of standing uh, strong on god's word and his principles in business as well as in life there are some Christian business owners we learned as we were stepping out into the marketplace ministry that believe that they leave their Christian values and their ethics at church because things like that don't work in the business world. That you're in a dog-eat-dog -dog world, you got you got to hook, crook, and steal, and cheat, and fudge, and, and, and puff up uh, sales and everything just like the world does because things like integrity don't work there. I'm here to tell you that's wrong. I'm here to tell you that is a trick of the devil to make you believe that God is incapable of helping you build this business in a, in a maybe corrupt society that you can build a moral business that will bring glory and honor to God and that God knows business. I'm here to tell you He does. He does. Integrity works in the ministry and integrity works in the marketplace. I need to hear a loud amen. amen. We cannot be like we believe for Isaac and the church, but yet we sleep with Hagar in the marketplace. Or we sleep with Hagar and with our finances, with our health, and with our relationships. we got to believe God is capable in all areas of life. I've seen people do this in their health and they get a diagnosis that maybe is a, a terminal or a diagnosis that is huge and, and, and they, they, they're trusting God with their prayers and faith of church and Sunday school and all that stuff, but now this is my health. They're like, no, this is real. So, I, they, so they walk away from God and they say, what is available to me through the wisdom of man only? And, and we're telling them, we don't want you to turn from the wisdom that God has given through man. That, don't turn your back on that, but don't turn your back on God. That God is a miracle-working God. That God says His very name is Jehovah Rapha. I'm your God, your healer. I'm your God, your, your great physician. There's a miracle awaiting, and you're not even going to look to God. You're not even going to call on God. You're not even going to trust God. You're not even going to believe God so He could count it unto you as righteous. The Bible shows us an example of this in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus comes to his disciples one morning and the disciples had just returned from fishing all night. 
And Jesus asked them, did you catch anything? And they said, no, no, had a bad night, didn't catch anything. Then Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter speaks up and he says, you know, I don't know if you understand this or not. Jesus, you're a carpenter. We understand your background. You know wood and you know that kind of stuff. But we're fishermen. This is our profession. This is what we're smart at. This is what we know how to do. And master, you don't don't fish in the daytime. You fish with nets. You fish at night. If you're going to catch the big load, you do. Jesus said, well, how'd that work out for you? (laughs) Well, we had a bad night. He said, well, I'm just asking you to cast your nets on the other side. So Peter, I like him. He says, you know, he gets his talk out. And then he says, but nevertheless, because you said so, we're going to let our nets down. And what happened? The Bible says their nets filled up with so many fish that his partner boat, they had to call for them. Come over here. Come over here. Stop cleaning your nets. Get over here. And they came over and said, help us. And there was so many fish that both boats were almost sinking, the Bible says. Now, that's a miracle catch. Now, when the creator of God, the creator of heaven and earth, God, tells you to put your net down on the other side, let me tell you what, whether it doesn't seem in business, this isn't how you do it, but if God said do it, do it. Let me tell you what, God knows business better than you know business. And God can increase you with acceleration more than you can with a whole 50 years of work and seven days a week. Had someone recently came to me and says, I, I, I got disenfranchised with church 25 years ago and have been out of church 25. I didn't turn my back on God, but I've been uh, kind of just walking away from his, church, his build, his, uh, the corporate church. So, but I want you to know, Pastor, that I'm committing myself to the full counsel of God. I'm committing myself to church. I'm going to be here every week as the Lord uh, 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 gives me strength. And, uh, and I was like, praise God. And he says, you know, one of the things that's helping me make this decision, I said, what's that? He said, I got a diagnosis uh, a year and a half ago that, that said I had cancer. And, and I remember in the church I was taught that the devil is a liar and you don't receive. If you receive what the enemy's trying to put on you, then it takes root in you. And I told the doctors, I don't receive it. They said, you're in denial. He said, I'm not in denial. I'm going to go with treatment, but I'm also going to go in prayer, and I'm not going to receive it. This is temporary. This is an attack of the enemy. It's got to go. And uh, so he told me uh, to, uh, this week, he says, you know, my latest test just came back, and it came back zero, zero. There's not one sign of cancer in my body. And I'm committed to Christian embassy. I'm committed to the house of God. I'm sorry that I've turned myself away from the corporate worship because when I got back into corporate worship, it's helping build my faith. It's helping encourage me. It's helping me stand strong on the promises of God. And he says, and I need this. And I said, thank you, brother, for sharing that with me. Let me tell you what. We need to do what Peter said. Lord, I've got all my ideas, but my ideas are going to bow now because you've given me what you want me to do. And God says, I want you to forsake not the assembling together of the saints. So I'm going to come. God says in business, I want you to be, operate with integrity and honesty, and I want you to pay your bills on time. Do you want somebody paying you late? Do you want somebody paying you or not paying you? Well, then you need to pay people on time, and you need to pay and not say, well, the Lord is the Lord's bill. We need to operate with integrity and character in the marketplace as we represent the Lord. But the good thing is as we represent Him, we're not depending on on the arm of the uh, flesh. We're depending on the strength of God. God is capable. Hallelujah. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to bless your business. You can trust Him with your finances. 
That's why when we say it's time to bring the tithe and offering into the storehouse, we clap here because the Bible loves, God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because a, a giver who is cheerful understands what I'm doing. I'm a steward of all that God has given to me and I'm entrusting him with the tithe that he said and an offering that he said and now he can trust me with more so he's going to come back, press down, chain together, good measure and running over. He's given me stewardship over more. So it's an exciting economy to be a part of the divine economy of God I mean you're not doing it you're not just working by the hour you're not just hoping for a promotion of man you're not just hoping that you can get this degree and it'll give you a raise in your salary let me tell you what God will open the heavens and rain out blessing he said try me in this and see that I won't rebuke the devourer and pour out blessings on you that you cannot even contain hallelujah so God is capable to direct all of the affairs of your life so that means that uh, we are to operate with integrity and wholeness, the whole part, bringing God into business, bringing God into our finances, bringing God into our relationships, because He's able. He's able. Come on now. He's not incapable. He is able. I love Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Let me tell you what, his hand is not shortened that it cannot save. It doesn't matter where you're at today. It doesn't matter how low the devil has got you today. It doesn't matter how much in debt you are in. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you what, the hand of the Lord is not shortened. That it cannot save you. That he cannot come in and lift you up. That he cannot come in and bring you up out of that pressure point that you're in. And his ear, the Bible says, is not heavy that he cannot hear. Call out on the Lord. Call on his name today call on him and he will show himself strong in your behalf hallelujah and God is sensitive about you trusting him God is sensitive about that he really takes it to heart when you don't trust him look at Jeremiah 2 and 5 what he said he said what fault did your fathers find in me God said that they strayed so far from me that's how God looks at it. When we stray away from Him and we're going to do it ourselves and we're going to make it happen ourselves and we're going to get ourselves healed and we're going to get ourselves delivered and we're going to get ourselves out of debt and we're going to get, get our own family put back together and we turn our back on God. He says, what did I do? What fault do you find in me that you would stray so far from me? It's like God is saying, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? I believe the Spirit of the Lord is asking someone that today. God is asking you, am I not enough for you? Am I not strong enough? Do you not see me as the creator of the heavens and the earth? Do you not see me for who I am? That I am able to come in if you will invite me and do in you and through you what you could never do on your own? Stop inferring that God is not able because I'm here to tell you God is not incapable. God is able. Second thing we see is God is not forgetful. He is not, forget he has not forgotten you. You may not be able to read it very clearly, but forgetful right here. God is not forgetful. God has not forgotten the promises that He's made to you. God has not in, gotten so busy in the Middle East that here you are on the East Coast and, and, and He didn't have time for you. He said it this way. He didn't say, I'm going to tie a string around my finger to remember what I made promises to you. He didn't say that. What he said, though, in Isaiah 49, 16, he says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. 
I have etched you on the palms of my hand. Every time I open my hands, I see the promises that I've made to you. That's God. That's what God is saying about you. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you are etched in the palm of God's hand. He remembers the promises that he's made to you and he wants to fulfill those in your life. And all he asks for us is for us not to disbelieve and allow anxieties and the cares of the world to come into our lives, but what he wants us to do is believe him. That's all he wants, is for us to believe him. But in order for that to happen, we need each other. We need each other. Because we live in a world where the enemy is running rampant and he's doing everything in his power to rob us of our understanding and commitment and belief in what God has said. He is trying to out-talk God's, uh, God by giving a louder voice in the negative tense is what the devil does. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. That word conformed means don't be pressed in. Have you ever taken, I know the kids when they had Play-Doh and they had molds before, and you'd take that Play-Doh and you'd force it and, and mash it into those molds and, and whatever it was, you could make that clay uh, turn into that Smurf or whatever the mold was, uh, elephant or whatever it was, the animal. Uh, that's what that word conformed. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world. This world is telling you there is no God. This world is telling you that you uh, are here by way of many, many years of, of a monkey getting better and better from a amoeba, and now you stop climbing trees, or most of you stop climbing trees, and, 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 and you're just a little better off. And it's just the world will tell you it's trying to press you. There's pressure trying to get you to disbelieve God. to disbelieve his word to disbelieve his promises to disbelieve his character and his nature and he says so don't be conformed to this world so how do you not be conformed to this world he says by being transformed and that word transformed is a Greek word metamorphosis where we get our word metamorphosis is metamorphi and uh, and you know what a metamorphosis is when a caterpillar goes into cocoon and comes out a butterfly He who was crawling on his belly all of his life is now soaring into the heavens with great beauty. That's the metamorphosis. He says there's a transformation. There's a metamorphosis that will take place in your life if you will have your mind renewed by that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our mind is renewed by the Word of God. By a teaching like right now, straight from the Word of God, there's a renewal taking place. There's a metamorphosis taking place. You're going from a caterpillar today, you're going to be a butterfly this week. You're going to fly this week. You're going to soar this week because the Word of God came into here and said, know that God is not forgetful. He has not forgotten the promises that He's made to you. I don't know if you've heard this said before, but I've not only heard it said, I've said it myself. I love God's timing, but I hate God's timing. And I've matured over the years and I stopped saying that. But you must understand about God's timing is in his wisdom. And in his wisdom, he knows when it's best. And we have to learn to trust him. He's never early and he's never late. He's right on time. His brother Harry would say, God's timing is impeccable. It is impeccable. John 6 and 6, John, tell, uh, John tells us that Jesus was uh, talking to this, looking at this huge crowd, and he's ministering to them. There's 5,000 men and all the women and children. There's probably 15, 20, 25,000 people there. 
And he pulls Philip there and he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread to feed this crowd? Now, Jesus had already knew how he was going to feed the crowd. But he asked this question as he's testing Philip. Let me tell you what. I believe when the scripture says, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, right? Uh, so, so there is a hide and seek with God at times. In this sense, it seems like hide and seek. God makes his promises and then his promises are not seemingly coming to pass when we think they should come to pass. That is not the time to turn your back on God. Get into the game of hide and seek. Now I'm to seek the Lord. I'm to get closer to you, God. I'm to learn from you. What is it? Is there something I need to do to, to make the platform ready for this promise to come to pass? Is there something I need to get rid of in my life? Is there something I need to stop doing? Is there something I need to start doing? You need to seek the Lord rather than turn your back on him and say, ah, God forgot what he promised me or God is incapable of bringing it to pass. Those are the lies of the enemy, the conforming of the world that will get you out of faith into unbelief and out of righteousness into unrighteousness. So God tells Abram, he says, I am your shield and your portion. I'm competent, I'm able, and I've not forgotten you, Abram. Don't get ahead of the game here. Don't do that. And then finally, we see as we wrap this up this morning, God is not indifferent. God is not indifferent. Let me tell you what, God cares. God cares. Some of you may have come in here this morning after a week of walking with such a load on your back. You may have come in here with the cares of the world weighing you down. You may have come in here looking like this gentleman here and this is how you've been living your life. Well, God has a plan for you to get rid of that today. God has a way today for you to stand up erect and for you to go out of here with a smile on your face and a spring in your step as you go into this week, whether it's a break, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's visiting family or having family visit you. Let me tell you what, he wants you to take care of this right now. And he tells us how to do it in 1 Peter 5 and 7. He says, you got to believe in me. you got to believe I'm, the, I'm, I'm capable. you got to believe that I care. you got to believe that I'm not forgotten the promises. You've got to trust me. And if you'll trust me, you've got to cast all your care on me. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to come and take the care off of you. He didn't say, you're going to wake up in the morning and the care will dissolve supernaturally. He says, you've got to participate by faith. You've got to do something. Because faith without works is dead. So what you've got to do is you've got to identify the cares that are on your back. You've got to identify the anxiety. You've got to identify the problems that have been piling up. And you've got to say, wait a minute, my God is capable. My God is caring. My God uh, is, uh, has not forgotten His promises. And my God is not indifferent. He wants me to exercise my faith right now and to cast these cares on him. Do you look at what he say about the cares? He says all cares. All your cares. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Hallelujah. When Jesus died on the cross, he took my burdens on him. The Bible says that there at the foot of Calvary, there where Jesus hung on a cross, he took our grief, he took our curse, he took our cares upon him. 
So if you came in here today with any burdens on your life, it's only because you took them back from Him. It's because you chose to carry them because maybe you didn't think it through, but you're saying, I can handle this better than God can handle this. That I can heal my body better than God can heal my body. That I can handle the finances or the lack thereof of finances better than God can handle it. I'm carrying this burden. And when you walk around and you're talking to people, and, 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 and you, if you'll notice, people start looking down when you start talking. And it's not that they're looking down on you. They're just looking at you carrying this huge weight on your back, all of this worry and all of this anxiety and all of this pressure and all of this uh, confusion. And let me tell you what, we weren't created to carry it. When we try to carry it, our body goes into a fight-or-flight mode and it burns us down, it burns us up. We begin to age with acceleration. Our immune system can't keep up. Now we're opening the gate for all kind of disease and, and all kind of brokenness in our body. Let me tell you what, we were not created to live like this man on the screen. Why can we come to him? Because he's not indifferent. Because he cares. He cares. These are not your burdens to carry. You say they have my name on them. Let me tell you what. He took them on Calvary. He took them on the cross. Will you cast them upon him today? Jesus teaches us that we should look at the birds, the sparrows of the air. As you look at the birds and the sparrows of the air, he said, look, they're, they're, look what they, God feeds them every day. Look how beautiful they are. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful the flowers are. They're here today and gone tomorrow, but God cares so much about them. He takes care of them. How much more does he care for you? Jesus says here, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, the Gentiles are the ones who say there is no God or they've got all these false gods that are just dumb trees or stones or, or rocks that can't speak and can't save an ant. He says that's how the Gentiles, that's what they do. They're worried about every little thing. They're worried. He says your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So he tells us what to do. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, these things. See, God cares. He doesn't want you walking around naked and neither do I. He doesn't want you to walk around hungry, neither do I. He wants you blessed. He says all these things will be added unto you. So therefore do not worry about tomorrow, <clears throat> for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <clears throat> so I just, I'm leaving you with this. Cast your cares on him. The problem with us carrying these burdens on our own is they're not our burdens and we were never created to carry burdens. We're not created to do that. So we need to give them back to God. So I encourage you, don't leave here today <clears throat> inferring that God is not able. <clears throat> Inferring that God has forgotten and that God is indifferent. Don't infer that by the way you live, by carrying all your junk on your shoulders. Sometimes when you have an unmet need in your heart, 
and it produces anxiety, the only answer is contentment. Because when we cast our cares upon the Lord, now we've got to become content in Him. Content in His timing. Content in the way He's going to work it out. Ever declaring by faith, my God's got this. My God's got this. You just wait and see. My God's got this. Man, we stepped out to build this church. <clears throat> and people kept saying to us, you're not big enough to take on this big a task. I said, God said, rise and build. God gave the vision and God's got this. God's got this. And people would laugh at us. I had Christian folks laugh at us and say, I want to see God pay the bill. I want to see it. I just really want to see how he's going to do this. Huh. Yeah, God's got this. Let, let me tell you what. Here we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's got this. God's got this. <clears throat> and God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. So what he's done for us corporately, he's just trying to show you what he wants to do for you individually. He's given you dreams. He's given you vision. He's given you purpose. He's given you desires. He's given you all these things, and he wants you to trust him with them. But you can't keep your eyes on him if you're bent over under the weight of problems and anxiety and the cares of the world. So what you got to do is first you got to cast those things off. Cast them off on him because he cares for you. And he says he wants all of them. Didn't that, isn't that what he said? He wants all of them. All of them. Are you willing to cast all your cares upon him? I'm here to tell you God is not incapable. God is not forgetful. And God is not indifferent. And as we gather this week with family and friends and uh, for this Thanksgiving season... Let us not come around those tables and come around those gatherings all weighed down, inferring that our God is incapable. Let us not go and let our light so dimly shine as though God is forgetful or God is indifferent. This morning on this Thanksgiving Sunday, let's cast all our cares on Him. And let us get once again standing aright and put a smile on our face and put, get the joy of the Lord back flowing through us, a song on our lips, a spring in our step, a dance. I'm telling you, we need to let our family and let our friends and let our neighbors see that our God is capable and our God has remembered and our God, uh, He cares about each and every one of us. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, as we stand in your presence now, God, we stand here, Lord, not knowing everybody's details like you do, but knowing that you do, Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would speak to our hearts individually. So for each and every one of you, ask, ask the spirit of God now. Ask the spirit of God, what are you saying to me today? Is there something that I'm carrying that I should not carry? Is there something the enemy has tricked me and weighing me down with and I need to cast it upon you today? Lord, show me what I need to roll off of my back. Show me. And I thank you, God. Just go ahead and tell him, God, I thank you that you care so much. Lord, you care so much. You care more about me than I care about myself. You keep inventory of the number of hairs that are on my head. I don't even do that for myself. Lord, you care about details about me that I don't even care about. You care so much. And you want me to cast all my cares on you because you care for me. So help me identify what I need to roll over, roll off onto you. At the foot of the cross, I need to lay it here before you today, God. 
so that this curse is not going home with me. This curse is not weighing me down. This curse is not causing anxiety and causing fear and all kinds of chaos and confusion. Hallelujah. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare my Lordship over your life. Declare that I am your Lord and declare that I'm your Savior and, 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 and roll, roll the weight off on me now and you will immediately experience a lifting of the hand of God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, in obedience to your Spirit's leading, we declare your Lordship over our lives. Each and every one under the sound of my voice, join me now as we come before the Lord and say, Jesus, Jesus, I declare you are my Lord. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I receive your power. I receive your love. And I receive your deliverance. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, just cast those cares on him now because he, he cares for you. Say, Lord, I'm giving them to you. I'm rolling them off. I'm not, living, I'm not leaving here the way I came in. I'm not leaving here worried about it. I'm not leaving here frustrated. I'm not leaving here bowed over. I'm not leaving here with this cloud over my head. I'm not leaving here with whining and complaining. I'm not leaving here looking at the negative. I'm not here. I'm not leaving here, Lord God, thinking that this is the end of the road. Lord, I'm leaving here thinking this is just the beginning. Hallelujah. And you're going to take me from glory to glory. And you've got a great week for me, God. And you've got a great day ahead. And you've got great blessings ahead. And while the devil's trying to destroy my family, God, I thank you. You're going to put me a good family. You're going to give me a great family. You're going to give me a great Thanksgiving. And while the enemy's trying to destroy my health, I want to thank you that I'm going into this Thanksgiving week with Thanksgiving on my lip because I'm healed and I'm delivered and I'm made whole. I'm going to declare your promises over my body and over my mind and over my finances. I know it may be poverty. It may look like poverty that I'm in today, but I cast that spirit of poverty off in the name of Jesus. And I receive the gift of prosperity now. Lord, I'm seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And I'm expecting a uh, uh, supply. I'm, ex I'm ex expecting an increase, Lord God. Lord, and I want to thank you and praise you and bless you and honor you. And go into this week, Lord God, with a smile on my face. And Lord God, with just joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because you are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. And you are King and you do not forget your promises and you truly care hallelujah what a good good God we serve so we bless you and we honor you and we praise you now in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen hallelujah